What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 183 of the DFS Dose podcast, your fix of daily fantasy sports information, strategy, and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Hover, joined as I always am by Joey Carrion. And on today's show, we're going to be recapping our results from week 12 in the NFL on DraftKings, reflect on some of the key decision points from the slate, and of course, close out the show by taking a look at the most interesting stats and storylines from the week. If you're new to the podcast and like what you hear, you can support us by subscribing on whatever podcast platform you use, whether that be Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or Podcast Addict. You can also find us on YouTube at the DFS Dose, where we produce fantasy content all week, every week, and live stream on Saturdays. Finally, our Discord channel is open and available. The link to join for free is in the description to the podcast. Joey, how you doing, buddy? This this is not a pain cast, thank God. Yeah, no pain cast. Ended up winning a little bit of money yesterday. Uh, DraftKings finally had a lineup in cash games that decided it wanted to cash, mm-hmm. which is always good. Got a dub in cash games, another disappointing week in GPPs, though. Uh, from the Thanksgiving slate to the Sunday slate, definitely did not win a tournament. I'm not a millionaire, which is just truly unfortunate, but booked a nice W in cash and feels good, man. Feels good. That's nice, man. It doesn't feel good that you ran the lineup that I had until about noon and you cashed and I, I swapped like an hour before lock and ended up not cashing. That doesn't feel great from from my perspective. You know, as a whole, the week was actually decent. Like I cashed a decent bet on prize picks for 300 that bailed out a little bit of my L on DraftKings plus a good tournament lineup that had Fournette and Higgins in it. So, you know, basically a break even week for me, a little bit of profit, nothing crazy. In terms of cash games, the cash line on DK, if you look at the $25 single entry double up was 107.24. I finished with 103.62. So just under the cash line, won a couple of head to heads and uh how, how did you finish in cash what, what was your lineup at yeah so the lineup finished with 112.58 so good enough to get over the double up line yeah after our saturday stream i uh, was on my computer for a bit and messing with some lineups and i ended up coming onto this lineup and then i, I went on discord and saw that you had dm me this lineup so i'm like okay we're, we're probably gonna have the same lineup again it's gonna be a fat l and then I wake up and you swap an hour before lock starts in. I see you're playing like Tyrod Taylor and Michael Pittman and whatnot. So I'm like, okay, we don't have the same lineup. We're we're both going to win this week. Yeah, if only. So, I mean, the core of our lineup, very similar. It was a 3v3 swap. We both had CMC, both had Hendo, both had James Robinson, both had Ayuk, both had Evan Ingram both had Texans D. The main difference in our lineup was that I went down from Cam to Tyrod and I used that extra 300 to get up from T Higgins to Michael Pittman, truly unfortunate, and left 100 in the late swap option for AJ Dillon, which ended up, you know, I I put Dillon in the lineup, swapped back to Hendo where I originally was, left 100 on the board in my final lineup. And I feel okay about that. Like, I don't think that we should have projected AJ Dillon to lead the Packers in touches in this spot with Aaron Jones back, it happened. So, I mean, it is what it is. But the main thing was that swapping off of Higgins. And like, we talked about it, man. It's like, if you play Higgins, he's going to bust. If you fade Higgins, he's going to smash. And I mean, yeah, I don't know, man. It's just a tough scene. Tough scene to swap off of T Higgins and then just see him absolutely smash right away in that game. Yeah, shout out to 
to me for sticking with T Higgins. Mm-hmm. Um, although he was four percent in cash, so majority of the DraftKings users finally ridded themselves of T Higgins. But you said it perfectly. If we both faded him, you know he smashes, right? And you decided to fade him. I decided to stick with him, go through the pain once again, and just foresaw this coming. Like th- this was so predictable that. He was finally going to have a good game. He ended up with 26.4 points, scored a touchdown, almost had a second touchdown, which would have broke the slate, got tackled at the one-inch line. Joe Mixon ends up scoring. Just goes to show you how nothing changed with T. Higgins. You know, we talked about him every single week. The price was still the same. Target opportunity was still the same. But he finally had one bad game, and everybody was just quick to X him out of their player pools. When in reality, I feel like he was still a great play. Like, nothing changed. You know, he was just getting a little bit unlucky, especially in the touchdown department in some of his previous games. So, I'm glad that I ended up sticking with T. Higgins. Felt like that was correct. And the lineup just fit perfectly with T. Higgins and Ayuk and Deontay as my three wide receivers. But obviously, kind of ran hot with Godwin and Michael Pittman busting. So... That, that was just fortunate. They were great plays, and sometimes it's better to be luck, lucky than good. Yeah, no doubt about it. Like, I, I feel good about fading Miles Sanders. Like, we talked about that. I didn't think he was oh, as yeah. good of a play as everybody else did. He was, like, the second highest owned player in cash games. So, highest owned running back. Yeah, highest owned running back. I thought that was fishy from the start. So, didn't play any Miles Sanders. I kind of messed up by, you know, getting stuck in my anti old man take and not playing any Gronk because Gronk absolutely smashed. And that was unfortunate. I also had Friar Muth ahead of Ingram all week and ended up rolling Ingram. No shocker there that Evan Ingram was a complete disappointment. Should have seen that coming (laughs) from a mile away. And like, yeah, like I think Pittman ran kind of poorly. I don't feel bad about going up from Higgins to Pittman in retrospect, just because Pittman was projecting way better. You know, like Higgins was a negative value, even though nothing had really changed. Thought Higgins was totally viable in cash. I just opted to go with the projections there and, you know, should have just gone with my heart, man. That's what they say. They say (laughs) go with your heart. And I didn't. You know, Godwin ran bad. I thought that was kind of in his range, though. Just like as we talked about on the stream, his targets can go up and down. They can fluctuate a lot, especially with Evans and Gronk back. I thought Deontay was a much better play just from a safety standpoint, and that's what ended up happening. So I feel mostly good about the decisions I made. Yeah, just it just didn't work out, but decent week, and, you know, uh, we, we move on from here. Yep, yep, I definitely agree. And like I said, it was just kind of unlucky that Pittman and Godwin both ran bad. Pittman had 10 targets, but in that Colts offense, things get spread around quite a bit. And, you know, T. Higgins has a higher target share than Michael Pittman on the season, right? He just hasn't been scoring the touchdowns. Jamar Chase was scoring the touchdowns. So kind of ran good with T. Higgins finally getting into the end zone, which was lit. And then Chris Godwin, I mean, just the ultimate run bad with him. And we also talked about on the stream how the Colts are tough against, you know, slot and inside wide receivers, but just unfortunate that he finished with five points. Yeah, unfortunate that CMC finished with three and a half points as well. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the man is just fragile. I don't even know what else to say, bro. Like, I, I don't know what happened. Like, He's got glass bones, man. <laughs> it's bullshit. He's brittle. Like, 9K, 
Like we should have just played JT. Yeah. At least we know JT's gonna score points. Facts, facts. I think I think we'll have learned our lesson. I don't know. Who knows? I don't know. We'll we'll talk about it in week fourteen. I'm ready to take a break from CMC for a week. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's move on to interesting stats and storylines. For the third time over the last two weeks, we had a running back score four plus touchdowns. You know, this doesn't happen that often, but it seems like it's an every week occurrence at this point. And this week, it was Lenny F. Lombardi Lenny, right? Playoff Lenny. Leonard Fournette had 17 attempts for 100 yards and three touchdowns, added seven catches for 31, and his fourth touchdown put up 47 DraftKings points. I don't know. I feel good about this. I feel good. I, I mean, we had a 1v1 in the summer debating Lenny F versus Rojo, and I feel like I uh, I saw this coming a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Uncle Lenny is just snapping this yeah. season. I've always been a, a Leonard Fournette truther, kind of got mm-hmm. off that train this season. You can't even you can't even sit here and lie that I haven't. I mean, you have, but you also gave up on him hardcore this last offseason you know it looked like he was toast yeah but the the thing is the receiving role was always there you know the lenny play we knew we knew rojo wasn't going to do it so from the offseason perspective all we were doing was betting up against geo bernard i'll take that bet 10 out of 10 times <laughs> i mean you're not wrong for sure <laughs> you're definitely not wrong yeah leonard fournette has been great. Three straight games with six or more targets. Only has three games on this season with four or less targets. So he has that coveted receiving role that we want our fantasy running backs to have. He has the goal line role in a Tom Brady-led offense. So probably should have uh, saw this coming before the season. And he ended up being, what, a ninth or 10th round pick? In best ball all summer long, right? Basically, yeah. Ninth, ninth round, tenth yep. round, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. Um, him and Ronald Jones had like a very similar ADP. I feel like they were like back to back. The Fournette side ended up being the side that you wanted to be on. And Leonard Fournette is probably the the league winner at the running back position in fantasy football this year for sure. Yeah, I mean, it could be the next guy we're talking about, but nobody drafted him. And that's Elijah Mitchell, who, look, man, this man was supposedly dealing with a finger injury all week that was, like, impacting his ability to hold the ball. Didn't sound good for him. I didn't think he was going to play earlier in the week, but he's active, and it just, he goes all over the Vikings, man. Just absolutely obliterates them 27 for 133 and one rushing added five catches for 35 receiving and i think the outlook is just incredible for him to go down the stretch and be a league winner reward the people who blew all their fab on him debo got hurt in this game obviously trey sermon got hurt in this game and elijah mitchell is just set up to be the complete workhorse something that we really haven't seen out of this kyle shanahan offense in san francisco usually they've been a committee for the duration of his time there. And it doesn't seem like it's that anymore. I mean, Jeff Wilson Jr. was barely involved in this game. So Elijah Mitchell looking like he is set to be a workhorse and even has a bit of a receiving role, which is nice. Yeah. Uh, Elijah Mitchell is definitely a league winner at the running back position in fantasy football, especially in this run heavy 49ers offense. And you mentioned it, but Debo Samuel hurt who has been taking running back snaps and vulturing Run it, rushing touchdowns, which is just sick to to see every single week. Every this guy week. score rushing touchdowns, <laughs> and then you said Trey Sermon's hurt. Jeff Wilson Jr. just sucks. Yep. 
So it looks like this is Mitchell's backfield. And and I just made the sad mistake of benching Elijah Mitchell in redraft this week because like you said, it wasn't looking great for him. Like if I if I see that, you know, a running back that I roster can't hold the ball in his dominant hand, <laughs> I'm gonna assume he's gonna be out. So I ended up starting Tony Jones over Elijah Mitchell. <laughs> and, and then what's that, then, like a thirty point swing? <laughs> Yeah, and then I, I and then on Sunday I, I I looked and was debating whether or not to start Mitchell over Gibson, and I ended up going with Gibson, which is probably going to be an L two unless Gibson has a blow up game and just a tough scene. But this is Elijah Mitchell's backfield moving forward, and he has a string of good matchups to finish out the uh, fantasy fantasy season. We have the Seahawks next week, Bengals, Falcons, Titans, Texans as the 49ers remaining schedule. So Elijah Mitchell is definitely a league winner. And I'm still glad that I blew like 25% of my fab to to get him. Oh yeah. that I mean, in retrospect, that was an amazing call. And yeah, as you said, Seattle next week, Mitchell's only 6K on DraftKings. So I think that he is going to be a player that we are discussing heavily throughout the week. A couple of backfield stories here that I would like to dissect, starting off with Denver. And, you know, all week people were talking about the Javante Williams breakout game, and he had a really strong showing, ended up having 14 attempts for 54 yards and a touchdown, also led the Broncos in receiving three for 57. You know, he had 17 touches, Melvin Gordon had 17 touches, so it is still a split for sure, but for the second game in a row, Melvin Gordon's snaps have declined, Javante Williams have risen, and I mean, I don't know, man, Javante just looks like he has it. You know, every time he's out on the field, he looks like he has it. Yeah, Javante is a hundred times better than Melvin Gordon, for sure. And Melvin Gordon also left this game with an injury, but he did come back, but still have to note that he missed some snaps due to injury. I mean, we've all known this, right? We know that Melvin Gordon is dust and it should be Javante Williams backfield, but Melvin Gordon will eat enough of the touches for Javante Williams to be like a low end RB two, high end RB three mm-hmm. in fantasy football uh moving forward. And he's definitely not in play in DFS unless Melvin Gordon gets relegated to like a strict backup change of pace type role. Yeah, I mean <laughs> I would be willing to take a shot on Javante. I think that he's going to have a pretty decent run out here. You know, over the next couple of games, he's got the Lions, the Bengals, the Raiders, and the Chargers again, whom he just torched. So I think that, you know, Javante could definitely close out this year really strong. You know, Melvin Gordon, he's old, he's dusty, could start to break down at this point. I think Javante is going to have a really solid end of the year showing. And, you know, if he does, he's going to be a player that we're talking about in the second, third round next year for best ball season. I agree for sure. And Melvin Gordon probably won't be there next year. But in this game specifically, Melvin Gordon still had more touches. So are we assuming that he's going anywhere for the rest of the season? Absolutely not. For that reason, I want it you know, target Javante Williams as like a trade target for me, especially with the trade deadline approaching in fantasy. I think it's like next week or something. Just let somebody else deal with the inconsistency and the vulture of Melvin Gordon. In the Green Bay backfield, you know, this was the big question mark. Aaron Jones, was he going to be active? Was he not going to be active? Because you roll Dylan in cash. Well, Aaron Jones was active, but AJ Dylan was still the man. Dylan had 20 attempts for 69 yards which is nice five receptions for 21 and a receiving touchdown while Aaron Jones didn't catch a pass he only touched the ball 
10 times. And so, you know, we have to answer the question, you know, Packers have a bye this week coming out. Which running back is going to come out of the bye and be the 1A? Because I feel like there's a realistic possibility that this is now A.J. Dillon's backfield. I don't know. Maybe I'm just caught up in the moment. What do you think? No, I think that this is what the Packers drafted A.J. Dillon for. These cold December, late in the season, grinded out games in Lambeau Field, you know, where it's going to be 20, 25 degrees. A.J. Dillon, he's like 6'2", 6'3", mm. 250, you know, Derrick Henry-esque. That's what they drafted him for. I could definitely see A.J. Dillon being the grinded down back for the Packers moving forward and and Aaron Jones being the change of pace, two-minute drill, pass-catching back for the Packers. So I think in this part of the season, A.J. Dillon is probably more valuable than Aaron Jones in fantasy. And he plays well in the receiving game, too, for a big back. And it goes back to what I say, like, a lot of these backs in the NFL can catch passes if they're just given the opportunity. A.J. Dillon, you know, this is what you drafted him for, and he's been producing, and you know, he scored 20 points yesterday. He outscored Daryl Henderson, so you should have stuck with him in cash, to be honest. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the <laughs> thing. And, you know, Adam Levitan tweeted this morning that Dylan has been targeted 29 times this year, and he's caught 27 balls. So he's been very efficient as a pass catcher. He's running a lot of routes. And, man, I mean, if he's siphoning, you know, touchdown scores at the goal line from Aaron Jones and he's siphoning pass catching from Aaron Jones... I don't know what value Aaron Jones has in this offense anymore. Yeah, it's it's looking real grim for Aaron Jones, to be honest. He's the guy that I would sell 100%. Yeah. Definitely a sell candidate if you can ship him off for, you know, like another running back or or maybe like a wide receiver too, like a low-end wide receiver too or, or something. Because I think the range of outcomes with Aaron Jones moving forward is going to be so wide. And he's obviously capable of having ceiling games. But I think from a probability standpoint, most of his games are going to be between like 8 and 14 points moving forward, I I would think. Yeah, A.J. Dillon is definitely a more imposing presence than what Jamal Williams has been in the past in this backfield split for the Packers. So yeah, we'll have to see. Aaron Jones is looking like he's joining the majority of players that were drafted in the first two fantasy rounds as a bust for the season, which is, I mean, God, just truly unfortunate. In that same game on the other side of the ball for the Rams, Odell Beckham Jr. came out of the bye, played 98% of snaps, like just literally out there for every play, had 10 targets, went 5 for 81 and 1. I mean, are you buying that Odell Beckham is going to be a major piece in this Rams offense? Because he looked like he was yesterday. Yeah, I definitely think so. He had a spot to fill after Woods tore his ACL. And if the Rams keep on sucking and are going to be down in every game and just put the game in the hands of Matt Stafford's arm, Odell's going to be a smash. This was just a start, obviously still getting accustomed to the new offense, learning the playbook, chemistry obviously matters I think he has to develop chemistry with Stafford but as the season goes on I think Odell and Cup are obviously going to be great fantasy players I mean if you can acquire Odell for cheap I would but I think after this game the the price tag would be too high in my opinion yeah man I mean we I talked about it on the podcast as one of my favorite stacks I wanted to be early on this Odell thing coming out of the buy kind of thought he would be more involved I was more expecting like a 75 percent snap share not 98 but I mean they got him in they got him acclimated and 
it's it's a good sign for uh, the Rams offense. I mean, even Van Jefferson's playing really well right now. So yeah. I don't know. It's a, it's a high powered offense with a couple of different mouths to feed, but there should be volume. Like, as you said, if the Rams are sucking, which they appear to be right now. So we'll see. There's a lot of pass volume. Important to note, though, that Odell was hurt too in this game seriously hurt i don't know if you watched the game or not but they kept on showing him on this like on the sideline like grabbing his back so like he hurt like his lower back mm-hmm. or he was at least in pain while he was playing okay, so okay even if that was limiting him he you know he still had a, a relatively good game uh, on a day where matt stafford wasn't good no he either wasn't. yeah all right well that's definitely a situation to monitor our final story here comes uh, with LaVisca Chanel, and I think it's time that we just get give up on him. You know, that's how I'm feeling. I wanted it to be a thing as much as everybody else, and from the way that this year played out from the start with the Jags, like, I felt that this was going to be the LaVisca breakout year. You know, it, they drafted Trevor Lawrence, right, at the beginning of the offseason. All right, huge quarterback upgrade. Preseason, Travis Etienne gets hurt opens up that gadget role that we thought he was going to occupy. All right, that's a plus for LaVisca. DJ Chark gets hurt, consolidates the targets. Jamal Agnew gets hurt, consolidates the targets. Yesterday, Dan Arnold gets hurt during the game, consolidates the targets. There's nobody there. It's Visca, Marvin Jones, and O'Shaughnessy. Like, LaVisca Chenault should be feasting in this offense. But the fact of the matter is that he is just a beta. He is not an alpha in the NFL. This man played less snaps than Laquan Treadwell, dude. I didn't know Laquan Treadwell was on the Jags. I literally did not know that. <laughs> and now he's he's out snapping LaVisca Chenault, who's been there all year. Like, bro, what are we doing? I don't even know what to say, but I, it's definitely 10 time for Visca. I give up. <laughs> I mean, was this not predictable, though? Like, before the season? I don't think it was predictable, man. I mean, I didn't expect Trevor to be this bad, for sure. I don't know. Like, Why do you think it was predictable? So, LaVisca Chenault's ADP in best ball was, what, like six rounds? Yeah. Right. And at that price tag and some of the players that he was going around, I had, like, no shares. I mean, I wanted to get a little bit. So, I ended up drafting him in three out of, like, the 70 best ball teams that I did on underdog for, like, a 4%. But I was not high on LaVisca at his ADP. Didn't really show anything in his first season in my opinion that would make him like a fantasy star a top six round draft pick uh so that's kind of why I was off of him but a rookie quarterback coming in with a rookie head coach with a bad offensive line with a bad offense in general I I feel like this was very predictable and I I was high on DJ Chark but with that I just felt DJ Chark is just more talented than LaVisca's which is why I was kind of more bullish on Chark but this offense being bad in this fashion was very predictable and Urban Meyer I mean we talked about it before the season started is probably just a stone cold donkey I mean he would have to be for playing Laquan Treadwell over LaVisca Chanel like dude why is Laquan Treadwell even in the league right now please tell me (laughs) Uh, I, I couldn't tell you, but LaVisca Chanel had, what, like five catches? Like, yeah, he, big he performance. Had de- he had a decent game. Like, it wasn't anything, like, terrible, I don't think. No, it wasn't terrible, but I'm just salty that it wasn't more, man. I drafted so much Visca this year. It's just absolutely I mean, pain. that's just a bad pick. Bro, I mean, I guess. It's just, like, he was going above Chark, right? I don't think so. No. 
Visco was like I can't remember. That's so long ago. I I think Chark and Visco were like you know going right around close. each other, and then Marvin Jones was a couple rounds later. Okay, yeah. I mean the the Jags players in general were probably just bad picks. All of them. None of them yeah. are going to be into winning best ball teams. Yeah, I mean maybe some late James Robinson shares after they drafted ETN could mm, yeah could true. make the cut true true but yeah probably a very predictable situation that if we just thought about it a little more we probably would have avoided and that's kind of something that i want to take into the 2022 season especially when we get into the best ball content after the regular season is over and whatnot is bad teams probably aren't going to have good fantasy players mm. you know i'm like trying to think right now if there are like a lot of exceptions and oh th- breaking really news not. Uh-oh. Breaking news on the pod. What is it? Christian McCaffrey placed on IR out for the season. Oh, God damn. That man got the brittle bones, man. We were just saying it. That's crazy. CMC out for the year. Wow. That's a tough scene, brother. That's, That's a tough a f- scene. Fucking tough scene. <laughs> oh, my God. Well... Go pick up Chuba if somebody dropped him, even though Chuba sucks. Honestly, like, the the fab that you're going to have to spend on Chuba if he's still on the waiver wire, which I don't think he is in most leagues, or at least the leagues that we're in, is not going to be worth the production, in my in my honest opinion. Especially since Amir Abdullah is vulturing all of the pass work now. Yeah, man. That's how you know this season is brutal, that we're, like, talking about Laquan Treadwell and Amir Abdullah in, in Week 12. Like we've also like never had like breaking news like that on the pod. Ah, I know. That's so, nice. So you're getting the listeners are getting, you know, our our first reactions. Yeah. And my reaction is just that that's a tough scene. It's a brutal scene. <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know what else to say. RIP all those 101 cheat code teams, though. You remember that? Remember, it's like, oh, you got the 101. You're unstoppable. You got CMC and these two receivers on the back. Like, meanwhile, you're probably drafting like Allen Robinson at the turn. Just absolutely dead rosters. So, yep, that <sighs> is brutal. Just, just, <laughs> I'm I'm low key pissed because <laughs> I have him in our in our uh, main redraft league. Yeah, I mean, my team is dead in that league. So, it, whatever, man. Well, but, good thing I have Alexander Madison, who's going to lead me to the promised land. I hope he does for you, man. I hope he does. And um, that's going to be it, I think, for episode 183 of the DFS Dose podcast. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at the DFS Dose, as well as our personal Twitters. I'm at Ben Hover. Joey's at Joey Carrion DFS. We'll be back on Thursday with our first look at the week 13 NFL DFS slate. For more NFL DFS content, check out the YouTube channel where we post multiple videos per week and live stream on Saturdays. Finally, you can connect with us in the free Discord channel. The link to join that is in the show notes to the podcast. If you're listening out there, just know that we appreciate you. We value you. Until next time, let's stay accountable and keep it authentic.